Welcome to the University Elite Mental Health Podcast, where your host, Dr. Hans Watson, helps you to learn the why behind mental health issues that you or someone you love may be facing. Dr. Watson is a nationally renowned psychiatrist who is also an expert in psychotherapy, a war-proven leader of the U.S. military, and the only person we know to be an expert in psychiatry, psychodynamics, diet, leadership, trauma, addiction, marriage, education, and more. That's why he was the expert that was flown in to the other side of the country to train the therapists treating the victims and their families after the recent mass shootings you heard about in Florida. We are excited to help you to understand the why behind some real life situations. And now, your host, Dr. Hans Watson, D.O. Welcome back, everybody, to another University Elite podcast. We've been getting inundated lately with uh, questions about the psychology behind COVID-19. Now, some background here. Um, things really got going crazy. Uh, well, they've been crazy the whole time, but as of late, they've really picked up. And uh, I've had a couple of different people send me different things, and they're saying, what is the psychology behind this? Some people believe it one way, some people believe it the other, some people feel their freedoms are being uh, trampled, other people feel like the, the people aren't taking this serious enough, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, the two things that really set this on fire was, one, um, when Senator Rand Paul, who is a physician, actually met with, uh, with Dr. Fauci who I believe to be a very smart doctor and somebody we should listen to. He wrote the textbook on internal medicine. This guy knows what he's talking about. Um, I don't know his political influences or anything like that, but, but I really believe him. And so I think we got to listen to him. The interesting thing was Senator Paul actually said to him and he brought up some statistics that I actually looked into and they were accurate. He, he talked about, um, that there is a huge scare tactic happening around the, the country. And I believe that to be true. And, and then I believe uh, both par political parties are using this, media is using this to control all of us. Uh, if you watched before, when we, when we did a previous podcast, um, we talked about how they have a vested interest in you being latched on emotionally instead of logically. And, and Jerem so wisely said, um, if you give facts that tells, but if you tell stories and, and involve emotion, that sells. And this is what they're all about is selling, getting you to buy in completely. And so um, Senator Paul actually brought some facts in and presented them to Dr. Fauci. And for once, we saw the people agree, yes, I believe that to be accurate. Um, and so what did he, he, Senator Paul was making a point. Why are we limiting our controls to students and keeping them out of school? And, and so I've, I've written this down. He, he first went there and said, we know that schools have been opened and there has been no spike. And his point was, kids are not the danger of transmitting this to others. Kids can even get it and they just aren't affected. And he, he talked about this. He, he cited data where Austria, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, and the Netherlands have all opened their schools and have basically uh, none of the... the 
restrictions that we have of six feet and masks because they recognized very quickly children aren't spreading this. They just don't get it to where they're transmissible. There's theories on as to why, and we won't get into the microbiology of do kids have fewer ACE receptors or do uh, or do, is their immune system so much better? And it's probably a combination of the two, if you're wondering. But we won't get into that today. Instead, we're talking about psychology behind it. There was no spike in any of these countries when the kids went back to school. And that was his first point was, why are we restricting our kids? We're creating so many more problems for them. This shut down everything everywhere approach is ridiculous. And, and he's got some facts to back it. He further cited a Brown University study that did what we call contact tracing. So a kid who had the coronavirus, it was confirmed they had a coronavirus positive tests. And then they said, okay, let's see everybody they interacted with. And they tried to do that. And they did contact tracing and they found basically they could not confirm a single case that had been spread from a child to an adult or a child to somebody else. Then they also looked at studies with tens of thousands of people in China, Iceland, Britain, and the Netherlands. Once again, no confirmed cases of children's being transmissible for coronavirus. And lastly, he did a study that had 40,000 children here in the States from the YMCA where they had a daycare and they looked at all the positive and they found no cases of children transmitting the coronavirus. And so these people are asking me, if we know the kids aren't transmitting this disease, if they're not the contagious ones, why in the world are we shutting it down? And they've got a valid point. Senator Paul made that point. Dr. Fauci actually said, I don't disagree with you. We just need to figure it out a little better so we can make a plan. And the two of them said, well, that I can agree on. And so they're the, they totally disrupted the, the emotional, we get to hook you and you will be, uh, you will be into, our, uh, into our, uh, our side of things no matter what. And then um, he, 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 from there, we had a second study that, that just came out that is just throwing people into berserk. They're just going crazy. And this is the experiment in Sweden. Now, anybody who doesn't know, Sweden did it much differently. And there was, a, there was an article, I'm gonna pull up the website, by the Foundation, of Economic, uh, Foundation for Economic Education. So this is a site that is, that is actually um, dedicated to economic education. They're pro-economy. So take that into account. But they cited statistics that cannot be argued with. And they actually cited and brought out some of the psychology behind other articles that have cherry-picked statistics to do their point of view. And so what this article showed was Sweden did not shut it down like we did. Sweden essentially said, look, we're going to keep everybody going normal. Schools are going to go normal. People are still going to work. If you get sick, we can, we can go ahead and isolate. That's fine. Um, you have the option to wear masks or not. And largely, and then they said, but the key we're going to do is we're going to ask everybody to just stay away from the elderly. Let the elderly isolate. The rest of us, let's function. And everybody looked at this. And so instead of having what they called the flattening of the curve, they had all, all their deaths happen really quickly. But now that we're looking at the total numbers of the curve, this article pointed it out. They actually had, and I believe it was one third of the death rate. We're not counting the total, the death rate. 
because uh, uh, Sweden only has 10 million people in it. So they compared it to New York's death rate. It was one third. And so we're looking at it was less than the Netherlands, but more than Belgium, or maybe I have those backwards. They, they fit right in the middle of everybody and they didn't shut down. Their economy is the only one that kept going. So I got blasted with people saying, what about Sweden? What about Sweden? And so uh, I finally giving in and saying, okay, let's talk about the psychology that's going on behind this. I am not here today to declare whether you should be wearing a mask or not. I am not here today to declare whether I think that you should be socially distancing or not. I will tell you that I am following those recommendations, but I am not here to declare which is right or wrong. I'm here to tell you what the, what the psychology that is being used out there on you and I is. And so that's going to be our goal today. So Jerem, welcome. Um, that's the big intro that people are wondering about. Give me your initial thoughts as we just kick off here. Uh, this is going to be fun. There's some very strong opinions on either side. And I was um, talking with a friend the other day on social media about this and um, relating what happened in Rwanda in 1990, 94, the civil war that happened there. And, how, and I just realized how close we are to somebody pulling the pin on this grenade and just and so I think it's very important for us to, to really look at what's going on and, and how, how we may be getting manipulated and some of those things from both sides. And I think it's interesting you, you point out that we're essentially villainizing and punishing children for something that has absolutely nothing to do with them. And the facts are starting to to support that uh, as, as we're getting deeper into this and starting to see the facts. So I'm excited to, to see kind of what, uh, what you've got there. And um, I'll put aside my biases and try to listen to the facts and keep emotion out of it because I think this is important enough. We need to understand what's really going on regardless of, of how that affects political leaders that I may have trusted or followed or, or what. So uh, and, and the, I love what you're saying there because there are a few more facts we'll give you um, to help you to get rid of some of the emotion in this and be able to make your decision based on logic balanced with emotion. Cause that's where it's safe. If you remember in our, how to support a cause without becoming an extremist one, we pointed out. And if you don't know that, that podcast is on a, all of our sites, whether you're iTunes or whether you're Stitcher or you want to watch it on YouTube or go to the university website, it's on all of them. Um, and so you could look at that one, how to support a cause without becoming an extremist, because there we teach you the psychology behind why they want you to actually use emotion without logic because then media and politicians can't control you. And so in this case, if you're the liberal person saying that people who refer and generally this is how it's working, liberal who say people are trying to, to downplay this and they don't care who they hurt, well, I'm sorry, this is not gonna work for you. And if you're the conservative who says, this is all a ploy and they're just trying to control President Trump and distract from his from his good economy and the fact that, that he has done prison reform and, and name all those things. I'm sorry, you also are not going to get what you want today. This is about the psychology. So if you think you're gonna do the politics, throw it out. 
Um, what are the things that, that you need to look at? And this is talking about children. First and foremost, when the original lockdown came, we didn't know how this would affect children. We didn't have enough data. So don't try to tell me that the original idea to lock everybody down or to have these precautions with everybody was somehow a, a plot. I don't know that I'm going to believe you because we didn't know. It's a virus. The flu virus is very contagious among this age group. It's actually quite unique to have a virus that's proving to not be contagious among the children. So that, don't go and say, aha, they lied to me. That may not be true because we didn't know that. We're still discovering the, the coronavirus. Now, did people latch onto that and use the emotions to control you? Yes, they did, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Another one, everybody says, yeah, but I know a child who's died. Okay, and that's fair. That is the equivalent to, you're, you're as likely, I was looking at the, the actual statistics. You are, based on the numbers I've been able to find, approximately seven times more likely to know somebody that has died of suicide that is a teenager or below than you are to know a child who has died of coronavirus. So suicide is seven times more deadly, and it could be more. That was just the, the research that I did. It's no question. It's many more. You are, it, it's approximately equal based on the rough estimate I did to get struck by lightning in your lifetime as you are to be a child who dies of coronavirus. You, what will you see things that are much more deadly? We know statistically it's much more deadly to suicide, child cancers, Diarrhea kills probably a thousand times more than, than, than coronavirus. And it's probably, I didn't say a thousand percent, a thousand times more. Uh, cholera, um, you just look at this. AIDS, it's really, this is not the most deadly. The flu likely kills more kids than coronavirus. So this is not a small thing. And now if you get into congenital heart defects, breathing problems in kids, it blows it out of the water. So this is not the most deadly thing we've ever seen. If you've heard of a child, yes, I know that's because the media or the politicians are using that to control you. It's the equivalent to, in a bad way, you are as likely to win the lottery as have one of your kids die from the coronavirus, statistically speaking. Now, if you have pre-existing conditions, throw that out the window. That, that, that's you know, that's going to be different. And we'll talk about those next. But that is something to where take the emotion out. Statistically, what makes you a high risk? We're going to cover that. And if you're not in that category, it's actually really low. So uh, what's your impression as I share with you all the things? And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention car crashes. You're something right. like 100 times more likely to die in a car crash as a, as a child as you are from coronavirus. So, Jerem, over to you real quick. Take a minute or two. Absolutely. I, I saw something um, just recently that said, I never thought I would see the time that people were so afraid of dying that they literally stopped living. Yeah, I, I may not have used the word literally in there, but, which is a pet peeve of mine when people literally use the word literally in the wrong way. But, um, but that's kind of the sentiment out there. And it feels like that's kind of what you're saying is like, for me, I'm, I'm asking, where did we ever get the idea that we're entitled to live forever or that life has no risks? Um, in investing, I've always been taught there are no 
great opportunities without great risks. And in life, uh, it feels like there's kind of this balance. Uh, we've talked about what is happiness or what makes us happy before. We've talked about it, how it's accomplishing hard things. And part of that for me, at least, is facing risk. Like if, if there's not a little bit of risk there, risk of failure, uh, risk of even danger, bodily harm, then th there's not as much reward for overcoming it. And it feels like as a society, we're, we're, we're bringing our, our expectations down to a level that we expect that we can get through this life without ever facing any risk, without ever facing any danger, without um, really being pushed to do anything difficult or hard. And I think that's making us as a society extremely depressed and creating even more risk of, like you mentioned, suicide than In this case, viruses. one of the important things there is what I've heard from people is they're looking to mitigate unneeded risk. And in this case, they're saying, is it really needed? Should I be doing this or am I taking a wild leap and taking a risk that's unnecessary? And that's, that's kind of the one where, where hindsight is 2020. Right. And we didn't know early on. And so that's one reason that I finally capitulated and said, okay, I'll do a, I'll do a podcast and talk about the psychology because people were saying, is it a realistic risk? Or not, and what I'm saying is, in the pediatric community, no, statistically, it's not. And in fact, th this is a good segment into what makes it a risk. Now, this is the one disease, the flu virus. It gets into the system in ways that that basically through the mucous membranes and that type of thing, and it just it can just mutate so well that it can get in so many different ways that it's contagious ac across all age groups. We're not seeing that same thing at this point from the coronavirus. And what we're seeing instead is there are four big things. Now I'm gonna explain some of the pathophysiology that is believed to be the reason here. And so get ready for the technical, you're gonna understand more than, than many people after the next two minutes. So the coronavirus, this novel COVID-19, it actually has a special key to get into the cells in your body so that it can hijack and take nutrients and that kind of thing. That's its whole job is it kind of wants to latch on, put its babies in there, and then they use your nutrients until they overload the cell and then it spills out and they go and do the same thing over and over. Um, and so they actually hit on what we call an angiotensin converting enzyme. Now what this is, angiotensin, we use it in our body when we're dehydrated or when we need a little higher blood pressure in somewhere, it causes the blood vessel to go down like this. And so your body says, oh, hey, we haven't drunk enough water, we need to keep the blood pressure up, so we're gonna squeeze the blood vessel down so that we can still have enough pressure to pump all that blood up from our heart into our brain and places we need it and overcome gravity. And so what they found is this smart little virus said, Aha, I can use that to sneak in your house. Think of it like the dog door on, on your door. And he goes, haha, I know it's not made for this, but I'm gonna sneak into your house through the angiotensin or ACE uh, receptor. And so that's how it gets in. Now, what did we discover? This coronavirus causes an infection similar to the, to the actual uh, flu virus or, or any other virus. They all do that kind of the same way. They essentially stick a hose into the cell 
put their babies in there. The babies then grow using your nutrients and your energy, and then they spill out and they, they go find a new cell and each of those go do it to another cell. So that's how it grows until the body says, hey, wait a minute, there's something growing over here that's not supposed to be there, brings in the immune cells and those immune cells destroy it. Now, what happens is in a natural part of the body, we have this thing that says, hey, I'm, I'm over here, I found something that's bad and I'm gonna start destroying it and I'm gonna send up the bat signal to bring in reinforcements. What we found is that virus stops our body from saying, okay, enough is there. And so as it starts to kill it, we discovered that what it does is it brings in inflammatory. Part of your, the inflammation is part of your immune system. And so just the right amount of inflammatory materials overwhelms the viruses or the bacterias if it were a bacterial infection and it kills them too much causes big swelling in our body if you know what i mean and all of us have had swelling somewhere and so um, on a small one you could look at a mosquito bite well what we've discovered is this coronavirus shuts off one of the signals saying okay enough inflammation's coming here and now if you're predisposed it actually causes you to have problems to breathe because the inflammation primarily happens in my lungs. And what happens when you get too much inflammation in an area? It actually brings extra fluid into that tissue. Fluid in our lungs is bad. We call that drowning. And so we can't have extra in there or pneumonia causes the same problem. There's a water barrier in between air and our blood vessels. We've all seen when you breathe underwater, water doesn't diffuse well. It makes bubbles and floats out. Well, in this case, it can't make a bubble and get through. So you're much less likely to be able to transfer air from the environment into your bloodstream because there's a water barrier from inflammation. That's how coronavirus is killing people. It's causing inflammation. Well, what did we discover? This is the one virus like none other. And this is why people are panicked. They're seeing people who died who never did before. Before it was, if you had such poor health that your immune system couldn't respond, maybe you were malnourished, maybe you had an autoimmune disorder, maybe you had, you know, name these things. Well, you just didn't have a strong enough immune system to fight it off and the flu virus or a cold would kill you. That's essentially how AIDS works too. It stops your immune system. So it kills you by doing that. This one doesn't work that way. This one, works to where if you have any predisposing condition to where you're gonna have extra inflammation, you're essentially gonna die from not being able to breathe enough, hmm. and that, or AKA much like pneumonia. And so it doesn't hit just those with weak immune systems. Instead, what it is, we know that fat tissue in your body is called adipose tissue. Adipose tissue causes extra inflammation. So what is the first risk factor we see in people who are going to have extra inflammation? Obesity. We're virtually seeing any of those people who are below 65. Now, 65 and above, your immune system gets weaker and weaker the older you get above 65. So those people, it's a problem for them because they have that as well as all the other conditions. If you're below that 65, largely you are only in danger if... First, you have obesity. That causes extra inflammation. So now there's gonna be all that extra swarming and extra fluid in your lungs. 
So generally we're saying New York was the first to do this because New York had so many cases. Second, if you have diabetes, diabetes causes not only obesity, but it also causes hyperinflammatory conditions. So your immune system's not as good at turning on and off. So you're also there. What do we see in people who are generally obese with diabetes? Blood pressure, increased blood pressure and increased blood pressure or hypertension causes increased inflammatory likelihood as well. And then the last one is if your lungs aren't very good at getting rid of crap, they keep closing down, then you're obviously going to get rid of less of the liquid or that water that builds up from the inflammation. So what do we see? We see breathing problems such as asthma or COPD. You're also very high risk. And so this is different. If you have a child who has breathing problems, that's the only child I can think of that, or diabetes or, or is obese. Those are the kids that are at risk. If you have a if, you have, if you're older than 65, they're at risk. Sweden did a great job of identifying them and saying, look, if you're over 65, you're gonna be isolated. Don't have visitors, don't have anything. If, you're, if you're, uh, you have asthma and, and diabetes as a kid, you're isolated, you're high risk. You need to do this. And they put it out immediately. And Sweden's rate was actually, so they protected their elderly and they protected their, their high risk of those things. And what happened? Their death rate was no worse than anybody else. The key here is we're all going to get this virus. Like it or not, we have never said this is to prevent the virus. We're all going to get it. But can the hospitals have few enough people to be able to help some people live? That was the whole purpose. And so one of the first things that people were angry with is when I pointed out, guys, this isn't meant so you don't get the virus. Your lockdown is to slow it down so the hospital, instead of having 50 people, has five. They can manage five patients. 50 is hard. What else did we see? New York did a terrible job. They actually took healthy elderly individuals in nursing homes, and they took somebody out of a hospital that was an elderly person, extremely contagious, because the more your immune system is decreased, the more contagious you are. And they put them in the same nursing home. So now you have all these healthy people that did not get COVID with somebody who did, and it just spread like wildfire. That's why they had it. Or they had, they had other people who were high risk, who weren't, who weren't isolating themselves. And so as we look at this, you need to realize, as we're looking at these shutdowns, Sweden may have something. They sent their kids back to school. The healthy people, they sent them to work. If you had any symptoms, they sent them home and isolated and they didn't visit anybody till they, were, till they were better again. This is what they're doing. And so as we show those facts, some people out there, if you'll take away the feelings of I've been lied to, because that may or may not be true, it takes away a lot of the scariness. I am a high-risk individual because of some medical conditions I have. But I'm very careful to isolate myself. I wear my mask. I make sure that I'm not going into the high-risk situations. And I'm not fretting at night about this. I'm cautious, but I'm not fretting. I know I'm a high-risk individual. Therefore, that's one reason my practice has become all telepsychiatry. So that is th those are some of the big things that people need to understand before we talk about the psychology of how they're ignoring and not sharing these facts with the general community and what, they're, what the benefit would be to these political and media groups.
Awesome. Heavy stuff, fascinating stuff. Um, it, I, I think there's so much. Um, when you start to realize that there are more ways to look at it and start seeing um, other pieces of the puzzle, other parts of the picture that you hadn't recognized before, um, it, it, it's amazing for me, at least, to watch as that picture, that opinion, really starts to metamorphose into something totally different. And you're watching it shape shift right before your eyes. And you're like, oh, wait, this is totally different than what I thought. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, I had one friend who said his patients were having a hard time remembering what the risk factors were. And so he said, I put it in terms that would be offensive to some, but my patients never forgot. And he said, if you're fat, you put yourself at risk of, of having complications from, from uh, COVID. If, right. you did, if you have diabetes because you ate poorly or you were unlucky enough to get type one, I'm sorry, you put yourself at risk for COVID. If you decided that you didn't have to worry about your weight and, and or other habits such as smoking, what have you, for uh, blood pressure, I'm sorry, you put yourself at risk of COVID. And if you smoke, I'm sorry, vape, smoke marijuana or smoke tobacco, you've put yourself at risk for getting COVID and having these complications. And he said, I didn't have another patient forget that. They could remember fat, ate unhealthy, um, didn't exercise, and then used uh, the, the bad habits, and they right. were kind of like, oh, crap. All the things that I said, something's going to kill me, and now it became realistic, and they're going, oh, crap, is this the thing that's going to get me? And he said, a lot of worried people that suddenly were willing to stop smoking. Um, they said they were going to stop using marijuana. They, they said they were going to stop vaping. They said they were going to get on a diet and control their diabetes and actually work on their asthma or COPD. So what do we look at here? Why would the media and the politicians do this? Remember, their whole goal is to get you to act emotionally so that you will be in their court no matter what they do. They can control you and the big money that comes with being in power. So let's destroy both the left and the right together here, Jerem. Um, Real quickly, before you jump into that, I want to just point out that when you say they're controlling us, when you look at what they're doing, they're not saying you've got to stop smoking, you've got to stop eating fast food and junk food, you've got to exercise. They're not actually doing anything to control the people at risk. They are controlling the people who are not at risk. And, because and that's the argument could affect. Yeah, and so you're right. It, it's really it's taking something over here and saying we're going to use this to gain control over here yeah. and remember the medical community at first had to do this because we didn't know enough about it but why do the politicians and the media keep this narrative going when the medical community both fauci and doctor the doctor senator both came out and said yeah i think we agree that kids are lower risk and we just need a plan that makes sense to keep everybody safe to reopen these schools they were on the same page why hasn't the media and the politicians both gotten and said, okay, throw out politics, throw out all this and done it? It's for the following reasons. If they can control you and create a straw man that says you are being oppressed, there's nothing that's going to cause you to have a closer attachment and fight more for that person's cause or come back to that news station 
than if you get those emotional hooks in you. So they essentially get to control you. That means more advertising dollars. That means more votes, regardless of what they do. You can see how this is big money, big influence. So what is the left going to tell you psychologically? They're going to convince you that people who don't agree with you shutting everything down, and this is the generalities, with everybody shutting down, that they are being careless and they don't care about anybody else. That's a typical left-leaning argument, is if you disagree with our way to, to get to, a, get to a, um, an end place, well, you don't care about the least fortunate, and you don't, and and there's just no truth to that. It's it, but it's it's something that's said, and many of us react emotionally, so they do it. So that is their way of doing it. And if you're a left leaning, you you're going to support that because you it's not fair. You haven't gone to med school and studied microbiology to be able to understand this and the f physiology. But that's their goal on the left is now you are going to take that. Um, I'm here to take care of the least, least, uh, or the most disadvantaged, and you're going to latch on to that, and it's a good thing. I hope we do, and then you, you latch on to the straw man of, therefore, the people who oppose me don't want to take care of them. There's the little lie that's mixed in with the truth. The truth is, hey, the, if we don't do it right, it could harm some people that are least, uh, most disadvantaged, least able to care for themselves. That's the truth. And now the lie is, therefore, anybody who disagrees with me doesn't want to take care of the, the most disadvantaged. The right's doing just the opposite. They are, the right is taking a truth, which is, this is infringing on my rights and liberties. And there is a slippery slope that could go down to where there, if it worked with coronavirus, then we can do it this next and this next, and we slowly take your liberties till we have full control of you. There's the truth. Now here's the little lie. Therefore, if you let them control you in this one area, you will lose control in all areas. And so now you're letting the government, the state run you. And so they're taking part of that truth and they're running with it. And so now these people are all going to say, you're not, next you're going to go for my guns and then next you're going to go for my, and you just keep going. And these people are taking a truth and letting control them too. And so what's the correct answer? The correct answer is, if both sides would stop that, both sides would have a discussion like we are today. Hey, turns out kids are not the problem. How do we get back to school safely while protecting our teachers? That would be the thing, because really, based on the statistics, it's the, teach the teachers who are at risk. And so how do we protect teachers? Oh, now maybe we're looking at having some backup teachers, looking at those that are at risk, having them be the ones that do online courses for students who have to stay home because they're high risk themselves. Uh, maybe a obese young diabetic child with asthma. That person should be home until they get, until we find a vaccination and they get the, the COVID vaccination. Now we're going in. And that's, that's what they've done. They've taken advantage of what is completely unfamiliar to us. A virus who does not just infect everybody and have the same effect on everybody. So now early on, we couldn't predict it. The fear was used to control all of us, and the media realized this is our chance to solidify our base. And if we're going to say, ha-ha, the left's trying to control you, and we're going to use this truth so that you never stop watching our channel, and the politicians followed suit, and the, the other side said, ha-ha, look, these people don't care if they kill millions of people. Ah. And, and they said, that'll solidify our base. That is the psychology of what's going on behind you. And both groups are trying to control you for the dollars. And here's the secret. 
if you're conservative or if you're liberal, welcome to the club. We've all been manipulated by them. The truth of the matter is, your conservative friends would probably be the ones who would come help you, even though they disagree politically and vice versa. So let's take the emotion and balance it. It's okay, 50% emotion with this saying, I wanna be careful. What does the data say? And we balance it with that logical data. Well, the data is telling us now, if you're under 20, go to school. That's what the data is telling us. How we do that? Well, protecting our teachers, because I don't want a, a pandemic of a bunch of teachers dying, so now we have no teachers to teach. That's where our discussion should go is not, oh, should we shut the kids down? Statistics are showing us, how do we do that safely? Luckily for us, Dr. Fauci and Senator Paul, they actually agreed and it looked like they were going to work together on this. I hope people from the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, because we all know Senator Paul kind of rolls to his own beat of his own drum and he's not really gonna do that. I hope they all come together and say, for the good of the country. Right now, I don't know if we will. It's, it's pretty polarized. That's the emotion and why they want to control you. COVID is being used, but it's not because this disease is some hoax. No, it's real. It really is. And they're just, but the difference is they're using the scariness of saying this doesn't follow the patterns we're used to. And they're using that to scare us into controlling us. So there you have it. There's, there's the, the punchline, Jerem. But one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard is those who fail to remember history are doomed to repeat it. And um, I had somebody ask me, give me one example how anything exactly like how this exact scenario has ever happened in history before. And the, the thing is, this is pretty unprecedented. But what's not unprecedented is another saying that a lot of people live by, which is, let no tragedy go to waste. Um, and and uh, I think they even say, let no good tragedy go to waste. So something to that effect. It is human nature for, for people to look at ways to profit off of this. And um, I've seen people do that in good ways where they've seen an opportunity to serve and to keep their businesses alive by uh, making face masks and, and carrying other products and, and helping import things. I've also seen people who are saying, um, who are doing that in a bad way, like you're saying, hey, this is a chance to gain more control. People's minds are in a frenzy. They're, they're afraid. They're malleable. And we can come in and stretch this truth a little bit, like you're saying, 90% truth and 10% another way and and they just they gain that mind control of us so there's an easy there's an easy test to see if if the media that you're following or your politician that you're following is is giving you the whole truth or whether they're controlling you are they sharing with you this is why i believe this this is what my opponents are saying and here's the validity in their uh, their point too are they pointing out the validity in both their opponents and themselves? If they are, that's somebody I'd listen to and say, okay, and then they'll explain, and this is why I'm choosing to go with this side. There's no perfect answer here, but this is why I'm swaying this way. The politicians who aren't doing that, even if you like them, they're controlling you. 
if you can't come in and say, hey, Dr. Paul is looking at this, and he, Dr. Paul did say, and Senator Paul, doctor, did actually say in his thing to, to uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, I know we need to be careful, but we need to have a plan to get these kids back into school. And I agree with him because seven times more likely by the statistics I saw to see suicide. What is the one biggest thing in children that are going to cause them to be more likely to suicide? Depression. What causes depression most in teenagers? Isolation from their friends, the most important thing in their life at that age group. You can just see how this is terrible. Now, with that being said, we need to tell people, you need to follow medical recommendations. Medical doctors, by and large, are not being political. They still just care about helping you, the patient. Follow their guidelines. If you know you are obese and you have asthma, you're probably the one who needs to say, I'm not allowed to go to the restaurant to eat. If you are somebody who's in shape, does not have asthma, does not have hypertension, and has never smoked or, or used vaping, you're probably the lower risk. And those are probably the ones we should say, go out. But who, how many people are going to throw a fit? No, you're just, you're just being mean to me because, because I had bad habits. Yes, I'm sorry. Coronavirus chose you. Take the emotion out of it. You chose this. I'm sorry that it was your turn to hit the, the negative lottery. And so that is taking the emotion out of it. That's what I'm going to say is, from my standpoint, I'm not telling you what to do. But if you have those risk factors that I just named, you're in danger of having what we call a cytokine storm, which is another way of saying the inflammatory system just gets out of control. And that's what causes you to have that inflammation in your lungs. So uh, any any other parting comments before we before we put this one to rest so people can uh, people can um, take it easy on me on the psychology behind what's happening with COVID. Um, the the last thing you said was kind of harsh. I, I wonder if I can soften that a little bit. That um, you know it, it, the reality is COVID nineteen is choosing people who have put themselves at risk with th through decisions that they may not have chose that but it's really no different than um, me being a rock climber and an extreme skier that enjoys doing these things and i would never choose to break my back but i'm making choices that if that happens i have no one to blame but myself really because i'm I, i'm putting myself in a situation where things could happen that there are risks and I think it's important that we acknowledge that. And um, I like that you said that a lot of people are recognizing that and saying, okay, now I'm motivated to make some changes for my health. But um, as a society, we've been pretty lackadaisical about health. And I think it's, it's catching up to us at this point. And we just need to be responsible and, and admit that is as hurtful as it might be. And, and, as much as we might want to resist admitting that. So yeah. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Was, is it I, too I harsh to say this is the reality or is that gonna save people's lives? Well, and in my case, it's, it's because people have been asking me, what is the real risk? And that's why I'm so blunt with that is to answer those that have been submitting. I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh to anybody, but those literal questions have been asked me, what are the risk factors and that's, that's what I've read in the actual medical literature 
um, is those big four factors. Now, of course, there's going to be somebody who genetics or happenstance that their body's made in a certain way that they may not have those things and they might just be susceptible. But that, once again, is the equivalent of winning the lottery. You are as likely to be struck by lightning in your lifetime as you are to be that person. No, the vast majority that, you know, I heard early on, there are no comorbidities. And they started looking and they said, that means no predisposing conditions. And they looked at it and said, well, they were, they were a little bit uh, heavy, and the, the people that we're seeing. Oh, they did have a history of being a smoker or smoking marijuana so that we know there's lung damage. And, you know, but we didn't want to say, yeah, you're smoking the reefer. That's, that puts you at risk of this COVID virus. Sorry, but you're, we'd have it. And so the reason I'm being so brutally honest is in response to those questions to me. I, I, I don't mean for anybody out there to be, uh, shaming does not work and I never plan on using it. Right. But I do plan on honesty. Right. And that honesty could literally save people's lives. Many. So many. It's, it's, it's kind of important to. So to in closing, clear. in closing, don't let people control you emotionally with this. Be smart about it. Use the precautions. Um, uh, support our, our, be involved in the civics. Talk to your, your uh, political leaders, your local leaders, and tell them, hey, we know these are the risk factors. Let's make policies that don't punish us all. Instead, let's make policies that make it, that, that put it in place to have those that are most likely to have a negative outcome. Because the vast majority, we know this has less than a 1% mortality rate. And if you look at it, the vast majority are older and, and those conditions. You're, you're about as likely to get die of lightning strike if you don't have those, pre, uh, those comorbidities we've discussed. And so in that case, relax a little, enjoy your family. It's still summer. Let's do that. And stop letting the media and the politicians uh, control you. So that's our podcast for the day. Uh, if, if they want to check out um, more of our podcasts, they can go to universityelite.com and get it there or search us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever other service you want or YouTube. So anything else, Jerem? Oh, I think that covers it. Okay. Thanks, Doc. All right. Be well.